Hello, everyone. It's episode 35 of the Fitness Business Growth Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Jimin O'Dowd Hill. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Oh, just to clarify, so I don't pronounce your name wrong, Jimin, James, Jimin, how do I pronounce your name? <laughs> it's Jimin, two Jimin. syllables. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the, the spelling doesn't help. <laughs> you replace the D with a J and you're pretty good, yeah? Jimin. Yeah, yeah, basically. Oh. Well, mate, Dearman is a friend of mine, but he's also, in my opinion, one of the best fitness closers on planet Earth. Dearman closed over seven figures last year. So closed over tw- seven figures in 12 months of an online fitness program. Very few people in the world can say that. Cue the intro and we'll be back. Welcome to the Fitness Business Growth Podcast, a podcast run by gym owners, My name is Mitch and along with Jamie we are your hosts and we will be discussing all the important things that you need to run a successful fitness business. From marketing to lead generation to sales to retention to staff and much much more. So if you are a fitness business owner then this is for you. We hope you enjoy the following episode and we will speak with you soon. And we're back, mate. Congratulations. Hey. <laughs> you are the first two-time guest on this podcast. Nice. That's a privilege. It <laughs> Thanks is, for having me. Mate. And I'm going to get all my sales friends back on here again because I just like talking about sales. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But, um, guys, we'll recap. So I had Jimin on about five months ago. Pretty amazing, mate. When we had you on, at that point, we weren't doing our done-for-you-everything service, which is just taken over, man. So it's just amazing at how much can change in four months. And the truth is a lot's changed in your life too, mate. So I'm going to recap. Me and Jimin were both fortunate enough to work for the same online fitness company last year. Uh, we, cl- we both closed over $1 million in 12 months. Jimin's closed percentage, however, was a little bit better than mine. A Just a little bit. bit. <laughs> but why I love having Jimin on uh, is when I first worked for that company, Jimin and Brooke, they both reached out to me, went out of their way, kindness, love, and helped me on my journey. And to be honest, there's three people, Jimin, that have helped me in my sales. It is Andrew Porton. It is yourself and it is Brooke Orbach. So thank you again. And I think we need to pull all of that knowledge out of your brain, mate, and share it with the world. Cool. Awesome. <clears throat> definitely, definitely happy to share. So, mate, we are doing fitness business consulting. You have now moved on yep. to that online fitness company. Can you give me the elevator pitch of if I met you at the par- met you at a party and I said, Jimin, what do you do? What is your current role and, and what are you up to? Yeah, so Basically, I am head of sales, director of sales, whatever you want to call it, of a quite a big fitness company in the UK. Um, it's backed by dietitians. It's absolutely an amazing service. And I'm just in charge of from the moment someone expresses any sort of interest whatsoever until they're a repeat client and they've been with us for years and they've changed their life forever. So that whole process, um, besides from the actual coaching side of things, is pretty much my wheelhouse. I'm in charge of that. Can you clarify quite big, mate, in like a broad number? Are we, are um, we, million? Are we five so, million? Yeah, so in terms of if we were to do like Australian dollars, I think we're collecting uh, about 800000 per month. Wow. Uh, that's in actual collection in terms of revenue, that's obviously quite a bit higher. Um, but we focus on what we're collecting because you know yourself, the, the rest is um, imaginary money until you get it. So that's interesting, right? Like, so when you hear, oh man, I don't want to start reading this early. When you hear, <laughs> when you hear that someone's on a seven figure run rate, it may mean they've had a week where they've earned $20,000 in contract value but they've collected 200 bucks. Yeah. And in Jimin's world, that would put them on a $10,000 run rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, all, we only look at cash collectors, the only metric that we pay attention to. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Right? Like, Even like at a local gym owner level, like if you do a 12-month contract, the average member, the average contract is about 10 months, right? So yes. don't count your chickens till they hatch. 
Cool. Now, mate, you were doing a lot of sales, man. So you were actually doing the sales calls. You were the person speaking to that prospect and getting them into the program. Your new role, are you doing as many sales calls? Are you doing, are you doing any sales calls? Um, it kind of fluctuates a little bit. So I like to do, I aim to do one a day, five days a week, purely because I like to keep that sharp. And that's just like personal preference. If lead flow fluctuates or I'm very, very busy, I don't stress that I'm not taking calls. I prioritize everyone else, but I'm more than happy to step in. Like last week we had someone that was away for a week and I, I think I took like 10 calls and came top of the charts just to show everyone who's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and then if we're experimenting, we're trying things out. I always like to be the one to go in and to try it so that I can actually get a feel for it. Because otherwise you're just telling people things and you can't gauge. I, I know myself better than I know anyone else when it comes to sales. So me being able yeah. to tell does this work or not gives me a, a lot of insight into making decisions very quickly. It's interesting, mate. I haven't done a sales call <laughs> since May. So, since May. so yeah. it's been like, it's like five months now. And just recently, maybe it was last week or the week before, uh, I had a call drop into my calendar out of the blue and I called them and I was rasty. I just like, I almost got the script. <laughs> like, yeah, and I, yeah. I wrote and I wrote it. <laughs> so yeah. I couldn't agree more with you uh, in regards to sharpening your tools. And yeah. what yeah. I've done since experiencing that myself is I'm doing a lot more call reviews, a lot more call recording mm -hmm. reviews. And that is the other way that I like to stay sharp. But mate, there's nothing like being in the hot seat itself yeah 100 percent. Yeah, yeah it's definitely it's definitely um a skill that you need to, to stay on top of in some way or another yeah and so you you were doing like you were just a typical they call them a high ticket closer an inbound closer you started doing closing for this company they realized you are more than a closer and you would have had some suggestions around like well generating leads getting bookings, way to get bookings to show up, to close people, average lifetime value and everything that goes along with that, mate. So like, how did you transition from, hey, I'm a really good salesperson to, hey, like there's lots of holes in this business that I can see? Yeah, so the first step was actually um, that the company itself had been reliant completely pretty much on the CEO to sell everything. Um, and a, a quick tip for everyone, if you're the business owner, like, and you're not converting at a really high level, then you definitely need to go out there and get help because as the face of the company, you should be the one converting at a really, really high level. So he was able to convert, but he could not teach anyone else how to sell and could not figure out how to replicate that with his, his, um, closers. So they were just stuck. They couldn't scale it. Yeah. So when I'll I jump, first came in, sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll jump in there, mate. Jim owners experience it all the time. Like I love Breakthrough Active. No one can yeah. sell Breakthrough Active more than me because I built it. I opened it. I picked the colors. I picked the logo. I picked the name. It is my baby. And I think you'd be surprised how many sales you get across the line through straight conviction alone and through authority yeah. as you being the owner and CEO. It does not mean that someone else can do it. And it does not mean that you can teach someone how to sell. Yeah, and that's it exactly. And I think that they were stuck in this trap where they just couldn't realize like, hey, why can I convert at you know, 40, 50% and everyone I bring on converts at 15? I just can't mm -hmm. figure it out. So obviously with the experience that I had and having sold for multiple offers and, and things like that, when I came in, I was actually able to replicate his results and like even some weeks like compete with him, even though he's a business owner. And then it just was <clears throat> a natural progression of like, I was like, I can teach people to do what I do. Like, that's not an issue at all. So then it just became a case of like, okay, can you bring in more people? I was their manager. We started training them. We built out the sales team. And then as we progressed, more and more things just started to become apparent. Like if the show up rate was affecting us, I was like, well, let me look at it. I can tell you kind of how to fix that. And I just slowly started to accumulate more and more responsibility within the business as we went in charge of more teams and building mm. out teams. And that, that was kind of the natural progression from there. 
it's really interesting, right? Like you had to prove yourself first before you became the sales manager. Now I am proud to be off the phones now, but I have proven myself. And I yep. think that is so critical. Like if you can prove yourself and the people that you're managing, the sales guys understand like, Hey, they have sat in this seat. They have done these calls. They've heard these objections and they've gone through the fire personally, mate. I think it just commands just a different level of respect. Yeah, 100%. And it's, you, you can draw a standard that no, nobody can if, if they haven't done it before. You know what's acceptable. You know what's achievable. Like sometimes you'll get prospects that are a little bit rough, but if you know deep down in your head, like, hey, I would have got them, but this is how you have to do it. That then opens up the door. It's like the four minute mile. You start to realize like, oh, I could actually sell a 10% higher. And that's hugely motivating for a salesperson. Instead of them thinking all the leads are crap, I'm screwed, there's nowhere to go. If they can look at someone else and be like, well, he sells a 10, 15% higher than me, that means yeah. that I can do it too. And that's like an eye opener. Yeah, we had a client yesterday tell me that no one can afford anything. And I <laughs> took a deep breath and I sent them a few call recordings of our sales guys closing people. And before I gave them tactical advice, I had to break that belief. Like, hey, it's not a matter of they can't afford it. You don't have the belief and the skill set to do what our sales team can do at the moment. And that's okay because you haven't been taught. But now she has seen the light. She has seen the standards. She has seen what's possible. It's going to encourage her to learn the skills to get better. Yeah, 100%. You can see that what, what is possible. Um but yeah, I always say to the sales team, like no, nobody has nobody has money if they don't want what you got. So <laughs> exactly. I um. So then so you're selling, and then you're managing the sales team, and now you're responsible for basically Facebook lead comes in, and then like the next step, what happens in that program? What were they doing, and what have you implemented? And what are some of those bigger change? What are the biggest? What's the I guess yeah? What's some of your bigger changes? Yeah, so what really, it, it sort of naturally happened in that we started with tracking the sales, right? And then from there, it just naturally started to creep further up the funnel, especially because I was like, hey, is anyone tracking anything like further up? No. So, okay. so, so just, just to be clear, you're they're pretty much just tracking close percentage at that point? Yeah. Like yeah. I was, I, I instilled that. We were tracking show up rate, close percentage. Okay. And that was it, pretty much. Other, you know, obviously there's like the different payment types and stuff like that. So we were tracking that. Um, and then naturally I just started to track further and further up the funnel as we faced issues. So when I was just in charge of the sales team, that was fine when the calendars were full. But once they started to, if they started to dry up a little bit or we were going through fluctuations, and nobody had the answer as to why that was happening. I was like, well, I'm going to find out why that's happening. So it was literally just a case of like figuring out every single step in our process and tracking every single step, getting your base metrics and then trying to figure out like as high up in the funnel as we can, how do I improve that metric? Yeah. And I'm and just going to roll off some base metrics. It would be cost per lead. It would then yep. be cost per conversation. So how many people reach the end of the message flow, for example, if you're running a message like campaign. Yep. From there, it would be cost per booking. From there, it would be cost per show, cost per call, cost per acquisition. And if you yep. have all those different metrics, everything might be working perfectly. However, you might not be getting enough bookings, which would indicate maybe the triage isn't going well. Maybe the message team isn't doing their job. And if the business only can identify what is broken, they're not yelling at the sales team because the sales team's closing 70%. Yeah. And that, that, was, that was one of the big realizations is when I was speaking to people in the company before this and they were throwing out reasons or ways to fix problems. And when we got down to it, it was like, we're not even looking at the right problems. Like when you had the numbers in front of you, and you realized it was really just coming down to 
like our cost per conversation, getting enough people to reply. And then we were also having a problem with um, cost per application. So we we actually cancel about 50% of our applications because what we sell is is more on the expensive end. Um, and we realized problems there. And then being able to highlight that then allowed us to test like one thing at a time and figure out how does this actually affect this metric? Can we get this cost to go down? Because before that, people were trying to test five things at a time, didn't even know what the problem was. They were like, oh, can we change this message? Will that make everything better? And it was just guessing. Yeah. And one of the biggest problems you can have, mate, is the one that you don't know that exists. Yeah. It costs you time and money just throwing shit at the wall. And opportunity cost is a real thing. And, mate, I just want to keep bringing back the gym owners so my audience gets a really good value of this yeah. episode. What Demon's really talking about is... If you're a Facebook gym owner and you're running ads and your cost per lead is under $10, you haven't got a lead issue, right? But then sometimes gym owners want cheaper leads. It's not the issue, right? From there, it's like, well, I'm not getting enough bookings, but they're getting two out of 10 leads, right? Well, then you need four. So maybe you have a booking issue and just really identifying like what is actually broken. Because more yeah. often than not, like gym owners, like don't get me wrong, some of them need leads but some of them get plenty of leads and no sales. And then someone like Demon can come in and pinpoint, well, like where, where is the lead dropping off? Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Exactly. What point in the cycle are we actually, is something broken and how do we identify what's broken? And then how do we actually change that and manipulate it? Because as, as well, it's really, really important to, to know obviously that the higher up the funnel, the problem is, if you can change it even slightly, it's going to multiply. Oh man, like, it's amazing, right? Like if you're getting leads for $20, if you've got an amazing sales process and everything's cranking, like and yes. every single number number stays the same, but you have your lead cost from 20 to 10, you literally 2X the profit. Yeah, it's, it's wild. And that is the actual power of like identifying where in the funnel it's broken. The best example I can give you, Jimin, is lots of gym owners struggle with the show up rate. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, we've implemented something that's really, really good. And I got it from AG and AP, which was a transfer trust page, or we call it our thank you page. And it's yeah. worked so well, man, where someone books in a phone call, they get sent to a landing page with a video of the head trainer or the coach saying, hey, thanks for booking a call. Below this video is more information. And then it's just a massive video sales letter with reviews and testimonials. And from the prospect, like if they book in a call, they go through that page, sunk cost fallacy. They're getting further and further and yeah. further into your funnel. I've already invested this much time. I may as well just show up. Yeah, 100%. And that's a, I think it was Anthony Vasari. I heard talking about this before, but it's people can only invest time or money. So, and they're, they could, they're proxies for each other. So if you can get someone to invest time into your service, there's far, far more likelihood that they're going to invest money at, at the end. Um, yeah. So yeah, 100%. Because we don't have our done for everything service, Jimin, uh, we can't recreate the magical webinar, right? Yeah. So we're trying to have this four-minute generic webinar on that thank you page that applies to every gym on earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's Mitch's job, though. That's Mitch's job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're listening, like these numbers really, 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 really matter. Like they do. And if you don't know what number to fix, then you really are going in blind. It is the same as an overweight person. I'm not losing weight. I'm annoyed. I'm angry. Oh, did you track your calories? No. You're doing the exact same thing, right? Like, and then if you go, and even worse, if you are paying for coaching, if you are paying for a mentor and you're not tracking your numbers, the coach can't actually help you. Like they, they don't know what to do. They're, they're guessing just like you are. Yeah, 100%. So in regards to the funnel, right, what was the biggest thing that you changed to get the biggest result? And for us, it was just... And now some businesses do really, really, really well with their automations. When we had our setup, one of the biggest things that we did was there was an automation that was firing like inconsistently at the wrong time sometimes. And just being able to go in and turn that off 
increased our it increased our or decreased our cancellations by twenty percent, which you can imagine is quite a big difference. So just so that, in, in what was the automation rate? Let's get into the weights. Yeah, so it was basically like when someone opts in for something, they were getting like this initial text message that said like, hey, this is Alex, like um, basically asking what resource they wanted. How much weight do you need to lose just so I can send you the right resource? That's fine, <clears throat> but it was firing mid-conversation if they opted in for something. And that had been set up incorrectly yeah. like a long time before. Right, and then the so, person, then the person knew it was a bot. One hundred percent, yeah, yeah. And that's for us, like one of the big things that I've realized. I've tried to automate quite a few things in the business just to save time. Again, just experimenting with, like, hey, can we be more efficient with this? And a lot of the times, with our market anyway, they seem to if they they get any sort of hint that it's an automation, for us, they just don't seem to respond very well. So we've had to be quite tactical because obviously you still want to be as efficient as possible and to make everything very, very smooth. But we just had to be quite careful. But again, it all comes from being able to look at the number, being able to toggle something on and off and see like, okay, is this actually improving or is it making it worse? As opposed to just blindly doing things. Um, when I first saw that some companies deliberately make spelling errors in their automation, geez, it made me laugh so much. I thought that is so smart. So the example yeah. would be, it was like, what's your current situation? Situation would be spelt incorrectly. One second delay. Uh, the little symbol like spelling error. Situation spelt correctly. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Actually, I remember it was, that. It was so yeah. good. Yeah, and that... That, that's it exactly. I think it's like, but again, we both know who we're speaking about here and that's been tested to the absolute limit. So that's known for a fact that that performs really, really, really well. For us, there was automations being put in that were like, does this even help? <laughs> I don't know. Nobody's tracking. So that was really the big, the big thing for us was just being able to look at everything. You said a few times now, I think it's really important to address is like they go in and change five things at once. Can yeah. you run me through like what the actual issue is with changing five things at once? Yeah. And I was guilty of this one, like at the very first time I kind of came into this position or like it really started to, I started to be able to make really big decisions. I changed a couple of things at the same time and I, it didn't work. Okay. But I thought I couldn't decipher which bit didn't work because I was sure that some of the changes were positive. Mm. But because you can't tell which is causing a negative return, we had to, I trained everyone on all the changes we made. We changed scripting. We changed like some of the ways that we were setting people up, like the transfer of trust page, like all of these elements I changed at the same time. Trained everyone. It took months. And then I took about a month to implement and then I had to backtrack on everything because mm. I couldn't figure out why we had gone down. I couldn't figure out if it was the ads were underperforming. You could to some degree, but they were also fluctuating a bit. I couldn't tell if it was our messaging. I couldn't tell if it was the page. So it just completely, it made it absolutely impossible for me to tell if what we were doing was the right thing. And it wasted months and stress and like there was so much effort put into it and that was just a really really big lesson that you just have to pick one thing at a time even though you have a million ideas a million things you want to do you have to do one thing at a time unless they're completely unrelated and they won't cross over on each other because otherwise I'll you can't to, i'll draw back to a gym owner example mate so yeah. imagine you're running a lead generation campaign leads are coming through and you're not closing those leads at that time, you say these leads suck. So then you change the campaign. But at the exact same time, maybe I come in and improve your sales process. Then all of a sudden, these leads are good. We change yeah. two things at once. We don't know whether it was actually the leads or perhaps when you're working the first leads, your sales process wasn't there. So the idea would be is you would implement one thing at a time. So you'd keep the same lead generation campaign, but you'd work on your sales script as opposed to changing the sales script and the ad because then you, then you just don't know. Yeah, 
100%. And like stability is your friend in terms of like the skills side of things like sales, being able to actually trust like, okay, I know what I'm like in sales. So that means that that's more stable and I can base decisions on other things. And mm. so it's really, really important that you're not constantly chopping and changing just because you think this is going to be better. Yeah. And it's, just, it's simple to say, hard to do, right? Because if, yeah, the, yeah. if things aren't going well, you want to burn the house down and change absolutely everything. I have a couple of sales guys. I love you guys if you watch the podcast, but we had a bad day at no shows about a month ago. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> It's crazy, right? Like, like we may have changed the entire like pre-call sequence, but at the same time, maybe Twilio had expired. Like, you actually just don't know from like day to day of what the issue can be. So, if you track data over a week or a month, it's probably better than tracking day to day. Another good example, man. I have a sales guy called Dylan. Great dude. He closes really, really well, and he's so consistent, man. So consistent. Been consistent for like four months now. He'll have an absolute shocker of a day and then he'll have an absolute barn burner of a day. Yeah. Then he'll have a pretty good day. At the, end of the, at the end of the week, it's the exact same close percentage. Yeah, 100%. And that's that. that. Oh, sorry, mate, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Idea of progression to the mean. I think for anyone that's selling anything, I think that that's such an important concept to understand in your own head is that you're never as bad as your worst day. You're never as good as your best. So it's just a case of like understanding your numbers overall and being mm. like, oh, I'm probably my average. Realistically, if I've been tracking for months, that's probably where I'm actually at. Mm, so 100%. Mate, that was really, really insightful in regards to the pre-call process, changing one thing at a time, how to make subtle improvements. But now I want to get into your specialty, which is the actual sales call itself i made a reel yesterday mate and i really 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 believe this before you can teach someone the skills of sales you have to shift your beliefs around sales some of the common beliefs sales is sleazy sales people are pushy people can't afford my program i hate sales i'm not a naturally gifted salesperson if you start by saying those things two things number one you'll never get good at sales and number two if you have that belief is it actually serving you is it actually helping you get closer to your goal? Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> like I think it's um, sales is uh, it's definitely a, a mental battle like internally, I think to get to a really, really proficient level because you need to have that conviction in what you're doing. You need to know that you're helping the other person, but you also need to have the, the confidence and the growth mindset to put yourself out there. I think I said this the last time, the first time I, ever told someone the price of like when I was selling something expensive for the first time, I had so much adrenaline that I actually like went blind a little bit. I was like, Oh my God. And this was on a zoom call. So I can only imagine what, what they were thinking, looking at me. Um, but like, so nobody's born with the skill. People think that they're natural salesmen. They're just good at talking. Probably it's a skill that you can learn just like anything. Um, you didn't know how to coach people in fitness at the beginning until you actually went and learned the skills and, and learned how yeah. to do it. And it's the exact well, same thing. Let's chat us some place. I'm 33 and I was selling to women aged probably 50 to 70. Jimin's from Ireland. <laughs> how old are you, mate? I'm 29. And let's shout out those police. This Irish fella called Jimin, who's 29 years old, selling women in Australia over the age of 50. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it you would think it can't work or you think it's weird or that they're not going to trust you or they're not going to do. But if, if a foreign person can come in and ring them on a dodgy phone line um, <laughs> and they're 30 years younger than them and sell them for, you know, three, four thousand dollars in a 30 minute call, then there's absolutely yeah. no reason that you can't sell your, your gym membership to someone. The level of trust yeah. is there. And the reason why I always bring up 26 week program three to $4,000 is it is stupidly expensive compared to a gym membership. Yes. And if those products are being so products and services are being sold all around Australia by multiple online companies, online coaches, I still today believe that an in-person service is superior to online. Therefore you're selling an in-person service at a third of the price. 
Like people have the money. They just don't want what you're selling because you haven't done a good job understanding, well, what is their actual goal? Yeah, 100%. Like we, we, we spoke about this last time as well, but if people are thinking that their gym memberships are too expensive, like they need to realize once you get out there into the online space where there's much less trust, there's people buying programs for five, six, seven K. We, we sell 12 weeks for nearly four and a half thousand dollars. And six weeks in, we sell them another six months for another four and a half thousand dollars. And then three months in, we sell them a year for another four and a half thousand dollars. And people do it. So there's absolutely no, the people that you're speaking to, it's not that they can't afford $50 a week because people have money out there. It's that they don't fully believe or you're not transferring that belief into them that yeah. they, they can achieve their goals. Cliche, and I hate it, Jimin, but it's $7 a day. Every Australian wastes $7 a day on shit they don't need. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So the, the, the beliefs that I had another client actually say, oh, Jamie, just on, a, just on a salesperson. I'm just on a salesperson like you. And I explained to them how I pitched their product and they almost fell off their chair. I said, listen, you're probably not going to be as smooth as me. However, I've also done 5,000 consultations, so that's okay too, yeah. right? Yeah. But by saying I'm not a salesperson, it's excusing you for learning. It's excusing you and preventing you from actually being open to the idea of learning the skills to sell. Yeah, and, and it's absolutely no difference than someone coming to them and saying, I'm just not a, I'm just not a healthy person. I'm just yeah, not a fit yeah, person. Yeah, I can never way. be that person. I'm a smoker. Love that one. Always love that one at the gym. Yeah. I'm a smoker. I'm not, I'm not a morning person. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just the excuses we tell ourselves, right? Yeah. So for someone that has got good beliefs around, I have an amazing product. I want to charge X and I want to get better at sales. Very, very, very tough question to answer, mate. But like, where do you start? I think it the the <clears throat> it starts with getting a process that you know works. And that's essentially what a script is, right? Understanding the process in and out, even if you just repeat it verbatim. If you have a very, very good process, that will get you a certain level of success. Because a good process is designed to help someone overcome their objections, to help them to see that they can't do it by themselves or that they can't just keep doing what they're doing if they want different results or that they need to do something now or what will happen if they don't do something like these are all things that are really, really important. So if you don't know where to get a good process, then that's ultimately where having a coach, have, we both have invested in ourselves, you know, and there's no, there's no mystery that all of the top, you know, salespeople that, you know, have done that to some degree, all the top business owners have invested in themselves. It's absolutely no mystery. Why? Because you learn the lessons of other people. So being able to identify someone that you trust, get a process from them and being able to just implement that and learn the process and understand the whys of the process is going to get you to a certain level without having to become an absolute savage. Like anyone can yeah. do that on the planet. That's just like learning something. Yeah. Well, with me, mate, I think that I am naturally a confident person. I think I speak with lots of conviction and I didn't have a process and I was the absolute bulldozer of bulldozers. I would just run over people and it's not something I'm really proud of, but like that was the only way I knew how to sell because I didn't have a process. And then I worked with a mentor, had a script I instantly understood, man, that's a better way to sell. I don't want to feel like a piece of shit ever again. And that's when I went from like pretty good salesperson to like very, 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 very good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, of course, there is going to be like, and as well, if you have something that the person wants, like if they if they came into your gym, you got to remember as well. Like I, I often say to the, the salespeople that I coach, like, these people want to change. Like whatever weird belief you have in your head that they, that you somehow have to make them do something, you don't because they're on the call because they want to change. You just need to help them to actually take action. So mm. it's, 
you, you there will be some degree of like if you're just like a very confident person or you have a ton of conviction because they still ultimately want to do something about it but getting up into those really high skill levels like is, is about learning how to help them to navigate it in their own mind and to to get where they want to go. Because ultimately that's all you're trying to do. If you yeah. believe that what you're doing is the right thing for the person, then you're morally obliged to, to try to help them. If you can save their life. Yeah. Then... When you when you said like they're on the call, they want what you have, they have a problem. <clears throat> We're not mind fucking people. We're not pulling a fast one. We're not tricking them, which is another terrible belief that people have around sales. We are taking that person through a process to help them understand of like, here you are today. This is where you want to be. This is the gap. It's very clear. You cannot do it on your own. This is the solution that may potentially get you there. Yeah, exactly. We're the bridge between the person they are and the person that they want to be. And, that's and, and in that bridge, we need to go into their why in regards to like, well, hang on, like, they have the gap, we're the bridge, they want to be here, they're currently here, then why haven't they they changed? Typically, it's they haven't, like, no accountability, don't know how to do it, but no one's ever actually asked them their why. And, yeah. mate, the, for me personally, maybe you disagree, I'd love to hear your opinion, is if you are the world's worst salesperson, but you get really good at asking someone why is your goal important to them, and you can expand and clarify and probe, you can cover up a lot of mistakes. Yeah, 100%. I think that that's like the why understanding that is, is huge. Something that we've been, um, or I've been putting a lot more emphasis on and something that I've really realized, again, just thousands and thousands and thousands of reps is that a big, one of the biggest reasons that people don't move forward in fitness is a fear of failure whether they say it or not that's yeah, like that's the one, it's like the underlying issue like all nearly all the time once you really really get into it and um, so I, I, i'll stop you there mate and that's why they say they can't afford it yeah. because a grown man or grown woman does not want to say hey mr salesperson i'm terrified of failing because i've already failed 10 times before that is why you get the objections. Exactly. And this is kind of like the route that I, I've, I've really realized. Because um, we track every single objection that we get. I've been doing that for quite a while. And basically been able to eliminate a huge amount of my fear objections. Because I've had this realization about that the underlying thing is nearly always a fear of failure. So if I've, we both know the, the kind of script structure that we have, but a big thing that we usually talk about is kind of done before, like what have you previously done? And something that I've really, really started focusing on a lot lately is trying to identify a pattern. Because if you can identify a pattern and you can help them to see that this pattern exists and you can help them to see a possible solution to the pattern, you can then at that point differentiate yourself from everything else yeah so, a, good example, a good example would be you uncover they've been to anytime fitness they've been to snap they've been to jets all three of those businesses don't have great accountability that is why the person has fallen off the wagon when you pitch your masterpiece at the end you focus on lots of accountability so you don't fall off like it happened at any time snap and jets so you can achieve xyz so you can so you can do xyz yeah exactly yeah it's just a case of asking you know what they've done before why aren't they doing those things and then if you see that pattern okay i mean like you've it sounds like you've you've tried quite a few gyms and you've had you know a, a bit of success with each one i guess like do you mind walking me through kind of what happened each time or why you always sort of stopped like what what was kind of the common trend and get into that because if they can express it, the problem, because they might've even thought about it. People just unconsciously repeat these oh, patterns for their hey, whole life. Human beings are terrible, terrible at communicating. And they, and the, the other thing too is it is hard to say I'm lazy. I'm unmotivated. 
I lose focus. So they bury that in their subconscious. And when you ask questions with the right tone at the right time and help them go on that journey, well, like the first four weeks I was great. By week six, I gave up. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's something that's repeated multiple times, you really need to help. You need them to see why that's happening. And you don't have the answer. You need to ask them so that they can actually tell you. Because once they tell you, now they have a better understanding of what they need to be successful. And if you actually genuinely can provide that to them, then it's going to be the you're the logical bridge. And then that's where the why and the emotions and actually building up the gap from where they are to where they want to be. They now have a lot more trust in you because you don't gain trust by telling someone how amazing what you do is. You gain trust by being an expert and, and asking really, really good questions that helps them to see the, the actual problem. Because if you weren't an expert, you wouldn't have the questions. You it's wouldn't know what to ask. It's one of the biggest things that fit pros do, mate. They're so passionate about their modality of fitness. Someone will say, I need to lose weight. Great. I've got the perfect way for you to lose weight. Do X, Y, Z. When if that fit pro asks them, well, like, what if you tried previously that you liked? Oh, tell me how that was. And yeah, I started off really good, but then like by the third or fourth week, I had a birthday party and I kind of just never got back on track. Oh, like you didn't get back on track. Yeah, because it was really restrictive. So that, that option didn't work for me. They eliminate options they've tried previously. And as GMN said, you actually, you're the sole survivor. You're the logical choice because your plan is flexible, helps them stay on track, and you have the accountability. Yeah, 100%. And it's just, it's just a case of, really being able to don't move on until you feel like you understand why this person failed. And if they failed a lot of times, you need to understand it before you go trying to pitch anything or move on to anything. It's, it's, it has to make logical sense. Yeah. And we had a, I had an example yesterday of a lady, I was reviewing one of our team's calls and um, a lady said that um, she was struggling because she lived with her partner. And the salesperson just took that and just moved on. And I was like asking him, like, do you know why that, like, what, what does that even mean? Because living with someone doesn't cause you to gain weight. I live with <laughs> someone that doesn't cause me to gain weight. So there's clearly a problem there. And if they're throwing out throwaway statements like that, it's kind of like a lack of responsibility. If they're throwing things out there like that, and you're not helping them to understand, like, hold, like just so I, I see, like, what exactly do you mean? Like, what about that situation's making it difficult? Because we need to understand what she actually means so that we can show her how we can solve that. Because he yeah. just said, when he pitched, he was like, it's going to be sustainable. But that doesn't mean anything to her. Yeah. Oh, do you mind running me through how your, Im how your partner impacts you achieving your goals? Oh, yeah. like, yeah, because he, he works away and then on the weekends he comes home and drinks. Oh, like, do you drink, like, three nights a week with him? Like, would is it possible that you could reduce down to, to one night per week? Like, you need to clarify. Yeah. You need to clarify. Yeah. And, and, and another thing, too, is, like, if she's been overweight for 30 years and you identify she's moved in with a partner two years ago, like, well, clearly it's not him, it's her. And you need that prospect to have that, aha moment that magical moment where it actually sinks in that like she is the problem exactly and that's that's really what i mean and it's like it, it's really a case of like you need them to see reality because if they don't see reality and they're not willing to accept some form of reality then they're never going to want to sign up for something because it's just going to be the same again there's no reason it's going to be different if i'm living in my own like world about how this works hmm. we give away our script for free mate obviously it was heavily influenced by napq yeah. um I put my own spit on it for gym owners and it's tested probably 300 times a week at the moment and what i found to be so important mate is what you mentioned before which is what have they tried previously so if you're a gym owner you have someone on the phone and you find out what have they tried previously like if they've ever been to Anytime Fitness, then you know they like accountability. The workouts may be boring. They weren't shown what to do. Or if they've tried an F45 or a BFT or a Fit Stop, 
you know they've paid 60-ish a week before. So at the end of the call, when your program's 60, you can't accept price shock because they knew what it was. So I think uncovering what they've tried previously is just so incredibly important. Oh, and like, what did you like about F45? Oh, and like, is there anything that you'd, you'd change about F45? And then your pitch at the end is exactly what they told you. Yep, our workouts are fun, just like F45, but we do give you that low impact option to keep you in the gym longer and make sure that you are safe with your training. Does that, does that make sense? And I'll say that's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. 100%. It's just about really getting them to see the problem so that you can solve it. Now, obviously, we're, we're focusing on that. But if you don't have the emotion, if you don't have the why, if you don't have the consequence, if you don't, it's like a jigsaw piece. They're still not probably going to move even if you have the perfect option. So it's, it's, it's really key. That's just something that we, I've realized, especially when you get to more complex. Um, and it's, more expensive it's like mm. higher price there's more on the line and people have tried and failed for 10 years and you're asking them to take a massive gamble on themselves you yeah. really 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 need them to to understand the understand why they were unsuccessful and to understand and to take ownership in some regard so that you can actually help them to to move forward so that they don't have those doubts when you do get to that point in regards to like asking someone like, why is your goal so important to you? For me, mate, that is the, the magical part of the call. For me, it's also the most enjoyable part of the call too because the person yeah. trusts you enough to open up, to potentially tell you things that they've never told anyone, not even their best friend. I haven't been naked in front of my partner since a year after our wedding. You hear things like that if you do a great yeah. job building rapport and you are generally interested in helping that person make a change <clears throat> yeah 100 percent. and it's really a case of of being able to get into those kind of deeper deeper levels <clears throat> of of how that actually impacts the person so i always like to kind of flow through get your base reasons okay but but besides from you know just wanting to get fitter just wanting to get healthier I guess, like, what are the, the main reasons that you want to make this change now? I'm a massive fan of um, just mirroring through the why. I got it yeah. from uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Foss. It's a negotiation book. And if you aren't as skilled or you aren't as experienced as sales, perhaps Jim on your mind, you literally just repeat back what they said. So, for example, I want to get fit and healthy. Oh, you want to get fit and healthy and then do something that's very difficult, be quiet, <laughs> yeah. sit in silence. And they'll say, yeah, because like, I just like, I want to feel like I felt when I was 30. Oh, like when you were 30. Yeah. I don't feel like I used to, I'm low on energy and it's impacting my relationship, impacting your relationship. Yeah. Like I just like my partner and I, we're not going to the park and playing with our kids. Is there any else, anywhere else that's impacting you? Yeah, like, and they just keep going down that road. And it gets to, the, like, yeah, because my son's getting married November 9, i.e. me, and yeah. I want to be able to fit in a dress so I feel comfortable in photos. Oh, so, like, your son's getting married and the number one thing you're worried about is, is getting in a photo. Like, how, how is that impacting you? And do you think that person at that point is not going to spend 28 days for 199 gambling on themselves one more time? Like it is preposterous to think that she wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you're talking about like nice little challenges like that. And I mean, getting people to see the reasons and getting them to understand. And um, there's absolutely no reason that they wouldn't move forward if yeah. they believe that you can actually get them there. And the typical fit pro is I want to, what's, why is it so important to you? I want to get fit and healthy. Fantastic. I can get you fit and healthy. This is how we do yeah. it. And that yeah. is literally the sales process that majority of gym owners have. And I don't care whether it's Pilates, pole dancing, F45, BFT, whatever type of fitness modality you do, there is an emotional reason behind them wanting to come. I get it. They might just want to try Pilates, but why? Like, literally, why do you want to try Pilates? Even if they tell you that because my best friend is there, that's helpful information. Oh, great. The price is the same as your friend. Let's sign you up. 
yeah yeah <laughs> definitely if it's a referral i like i really really like and that's kind of what i was saying in the question if if this little tip for people if they're getting stuck when they're asking those kind of why questions i really like to use besides besides is like a magical phrase in sales whatever question you want to ask if they've said something and you want to just brush it to the side and ask the question and get a bit deeper okay besides from just wanting to do pilates like what what are kind of the reasons behind that just instantly gets in besides from xyz like what have you tried before so that they're not just feeling like they're repeating themselves so if you're ever trying to stick with a structure and you're getting stuck besides is like a magical phrase because it makes them feel heard but it also allows you to get the information that you want Um, and that's a really handy one yeah, it's also amazing in objection handling. So, mate, we've covered what have you tried previously. We've covered the why. I would love to move on that magical word besides when it comes to objection handling. And, mate, I want to start with the cost, okay? And Jimin's example would be you pitch a product, they're really invested, they want to move forward, you drop the price, there may be a little bit of price shock, that's normal, and Jimin would just slide in effortlessly. Besides, besides the cost, like how do you feel about what we've what we've gone through today? Yeah, yeah. So my favorite one at the moment is, um, yeah, like putting the money aside. Do you want to do the program? Just flat out ask. Do you, like put it, just putting the money aside for a second. Like, do you do you want to do the program? Yes. Like, why though? Like, what sort of benefits do you see that bringing into your life? And just instantly, boom, we're into results. Because ultimately, what we want to do is really, really tie this to the result, in my mind, right? So then it's a case of asking a, like a mini consequence. Okay, but I guess like, my, my fear is like, how are you ever going to get those benefits if you never kind of get the help that you need and then they're going to talk themselves into well i mightn't be able to to get there okay so how how can we how can you put yourself in a position where you can get the help start getting them to solve the problem Mm. so that's like the chris voss sort of like uh calibrated questions right yeah where you're on the same side of the table as them you're not saying, oh, well, you spend money on cigarettes, drinking, and alcohol. Like, why can't you do it? That is not yeah. going to work. No, not definitely to work. not. Definitely not. And again, it, it becomes that dichotomy of like the person that they are and the person that they want to be, right? Mm. Because you can then start to like ask them about like, if they say it, it's too expensive, right? I like to kind of say things like that. Like, of course, that, that's normal. I guess, like, too expensive kind of compared to what? Compared to the things that you've tried before that have maybe resulted in you being here now or compared to the things that you might need to so that you can actually lose this 20 pounds and keep it off? Mm. Oh, compared to the things I've tried before. Okay. And I mean, look, that's not a problem, but I guess, like, do you want to lose this 20 pounds and keep it off? Yeah, that is such a good point, right? Because expensive to what? Just another clarifying question. Because maybe your program is expensive compared to what they tried previously, but you've done such a great job building value, rapport, getting a strong why that it doesn't actually matter. She hasn't said, I can't afford it. I logistically can't pay for that. She said it's expensive. Yeah. I I brought a projector for my home cinema room. It was expensive. It doesn't mean I didn't buy it. Buy it. Yeah, exactly. And like realistically, if we're pitching something that's seven, like it's going to be one thousand four hundred a month, and they can pay seven dollars a week in Weight Watchers, it is expensive compared to that. It yeah. is. Like I'm not going to say it's not right. And why I love having high ticket closer like yourself on the podcast, mate, because. All of this is laughable when you compare it to a $50 a week membership. And even that, like it is well known around Australia, boutique gym, group fitness, 50 a week. So if you're constantly getting cost objection after cost objection after it's too expensive, I can't afford it. Perhaps 
There is something you can do in your process to prevent that from happening. Because do you truly believe that if someone, even if they want to try Pilates with their best friend, isn't going to pay 50 a week to be with their friend, if they have to lose 20 kilos to get to their son's wedding, to be comfortable in a dress, do you think they're not going to pay 50 a week? Like it is, like you need to switch the belief around. Like it is, like it is ludicrous that they wouldn't. But that's, you just, you, you, you made it, you pretty much made the point there. It's like 50 a week to go and lift weights and do something that they don't necessarily enjoy could be expensive. 50 a week to lose the weight so that they have the memory of them at their son's wedding, wearing the dress, being comfortable and confident and happy and being able to maintain that for the rest of their life is not expensive. And if you're not helping them to see that it's the result and it's not the thing, then they're always going to think it's expensive. 100%. You put that so well. Like we are not selling our modality, our modality. We are selling that person a new future, a new identity, a new outcome, potentially a result forever. And oh man, like it's just really, it really is the beliefs around sales that I think people struggle the most. Because if I, if I, if, if GMN gave you his script or I gave you my script and we sat down for half an hour, I think they get pretty good pretty quickly at selling a $50 a week program. Because what GMN is talking about is selling a $4,000 program. So just really conceptualize that Facebook lead online, cold, no trust, $4,000 12 week program or local business, sometimes a national franchise backed by Mark Wahlberg, David Beckham. Yeah, They've done a similar program in the past, paid a similar price. Their friend goes there. Do you really think it's too expensive? Yeah, exactly. We have people that see our ad and within 24 hours they're in the program. So, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Juman, what is the future for you? So you've done an amazing job. You've doubled the revenue of this company, fixed a lot of the funnels. It doubled or more? I don't get that wrong. Quadrupled. Quadrupled. <laughs> Quadrupled the cash collected. Quadrupled the cash collected. And you want to do that for other businesses is that what your next step is is to have like a bit of an agency where you can come in and, and fix fix the funnel like what, what do you see yourself doing yeah so essentially it's focusing more on the, the the sales delivery side of it obviously having the knowledge and and being able to liaise with business owners and identify where they could be struggling is huge but sales is my jam sales teams training people that's like what I'm all about. It's what I absolutely love doing. So we basically want to start offering a done with you or done for you sales. So done with you, we'll coach online business owners how to sell their fitness. Done for you, we'll save you all the hassle and we will put a salesperson into your business and sell it for you at a really, really high percentage. Yeah. Um, that, that's basically where we're, where we're going for with this. Um, I'll jump in, mate. What I think think special about your service is I had a call throughout the week and it blew me away. A gym owner was working with the sales agency and the sales agency had nothing to do with marketing. I'm talking nothing. And if you're putting a salesperson in someone's business, but you don't even understand the lead generation, the marketing, the funnel and the outcome of point A to point Z, how can you truly advise whether your salespeople are being successful or not? So the fact that you understand top of funnel and then you can put this killer into their business. I have no doubt that you're that you're going to be successful. Awesome, either do I. <laughs> you know, in terms of like like you have a free a free Facebook group. What happens in that group? And if someone was interested in wanting to get, if someone was keen to learn how to get better at sales, can they join your group? Is there trainings? Do you have any resources you can provide them? Yeah, so we'll do. Um... We actually opened up the group before, obviously, and it was like majorly successful. We signed up a few clients and then we just kind of like said, okay, a lot going on. Let's calm down a little bit. But the group is starting to get going again. And there's going to be a live training for free. You can jump on. We can go through sales. I'll teach you my process. And that's going to be in the group every single week. And then 
if, if someone wants more one-to-one -one help, they want more one-to-one -one support, or they want to explore kind of what we can offer, then that's just something that we could speak about at that point. But really, you could get into the group and you could learn an absolute ton for free and be an absolute killer. And I'm going to be there to help, going to be there to answer questions. Um, and I'm, I'm here, I'm a real person. So you're going to be able to speak, speak to me directly if you want. Yeah, awesome, man. I really, really, really think that's a great idea. You can learn to get better at sales for free and maybe Jimin can just place you in a job or you could start your own online fitness business and then Jimin comes in and fixes top of funnel. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we've got all the, all the solutions. So if you're interested in fitness sales or you have an online business, well, we can help you in some way. So definitely come along and, and cool. get involved. Yeah, I just want to reiterate what I said at the start of the podcast, if anyone jumped on late. So there's three people that have helped me in sales, Andrew Porton, Brooke Allbach, and Jimin is one of them. And I went from okay at sales to coming third in one of the biggest online fitness companies in the world. And I attribute that to those three mentors uh, having a great process and Jimin just literally reached out to me all the time. Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? So really genuine, really caring, and just fucking love sales. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> oh, cool. Thanks for jumping on. Really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Cheers.